Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and Beaches Vacation.com. People wait patiently for the snow to finally melt, and in southern Ontario, it can take agonizingly long to do so. So when it does, it would be nice to get a moment or two outdoors to enjoy it before ferocious summer storms will strike, don't you think? Hi, I'm Chris May, writer, producer, and host of This Day in Weather History from the Weather Network in Canada. On Saturday, April 20th of 1996, the snow had barely melted in southern Ontario when, bam, two F3 tornadoes ripped through the region. This day in weather history. The actual system that brought the chaos had already developed great pace by raking across parts of the U.S. Midwest the day before. On the 19th, there were 17 F2 or greater tornadoes that touched down, and that included a jaw-dropping 10 in the state of Illinois alone. The setup was a typical trigger for storms of this magnitude. Remember that I said that the snow had only just melted? So that means that there was a lot of cold air in place. So when a cold front swept eastward into unusually warm and unstable air mass, it was fueled by a strong storm system moving through the northern states. And if that is happening, then it is also drawing on much colder air from Canada. The collision went boom. In the U.S., out of the two most significant tornadoes that day, both rated F3, it was impossible but fortunate that no lives were lost, leaving instead only nine people who lived to tell how they got by with only minor injuries. I say impossible to believe because in this melee, there were many homes that were severely damaged. Then there was the Canadian side of the story. But first, remember that this day in weather history can be enjoyed a number of ways. Right now, you are listening to the full version of today's story on your favorite podcast provider, but there is also the daily podcast video short. They are shot right here in my podcast recording studio, so you get that perspective, and oftentimes they will include visuals from that day's event from when it happened in weather history. So after listening to the full story, go check out the podcast video short on television or online anytime at theweathernetwork.com forward slash weather history. It was deja vu all over again for many areas that were terrorized by the outbreak of tornadoes that destroyed a lot of lives back on May 31st of 1985. Once again, back in the spotlight were the people of the Grand Valley area. The first tornado that touched down hit the ground running for a staggering 40 kilometer long path southeast of Owen Sound. A second tornado then touched down further south and ripped for another 60-kilometer track from Arthur to just southwest of Barrie. And I know that there were a lot of people in Barrie that were still reeling with the memory of what had happened 21 years prior, and this was a stark reminder. There was a third brief touchdown near Aurelia that was associated with the parent storm of the second tornado. Oh, it was on. But what happened for this to get so crazy? Ahead of the main cold front that I described in the first half of this story, there was a prefrontal trough line. But oftentimes, these are actually the most lethal. 
You see, they're based within the belly of the warm sector, so are susceptible to the most intense updraft, making for massive cloud build. This is quite indicative of a most unstable atmosphere and therefore potential for shear and therefore rotation. Well, true to form, this blew up into a supercell southwest Williamsford in Gray County. Again, just like I explained, the potential for dangerous weather to evolve indeed did. When a funnel cloud touched down about 5 kilometers, just barely over 3 miles southwest of Williamsford. But the worst was still yet to come. Here they got away with luckily only sporadic tree damage that took place at this point. As the tornado neared the town of Walters Falls, it became more compact, but it did not weaken. This is when it moved east of Walters Falls. The tornado then became very strange in appearance as the funnel cloud split into two separate vortices. Now that had to cause a stir. A debris cloud persisted under both of these funnels as they rotated around each other. This is horrifying. The tornado then rolled over the town of Blantyre as an F2, damaging homes. The parent storm then moved out over the cold waters of Georgian Bay, and although it did produce another brief touchdown southwest of Aurelia, all severe weather died down after sunset. It did go on to varying degrees of intensity through Wellington and Dufferin counties, and according to climatologists, the Canadian occurrence of these were rare for how early in the season it was. As a matter of fact, it was postulated that never before had such intense and long track tornadoes happened ever this early in the season in Canada. Well, at least the way they did this day in weather history. Tomorrow is April 21st, and I finally have looped back around in this podcast year to get back to baseball weather stories. Yay! They play the longest season in the most games of all major sports on earth, and they play them all typically outdoors, so you know that active weather is always a threat. But even at that, it was still rare for three games in a row to be called off for the Los Angeles Dodgers. After all, they play in a desert. So we'll look at that tomorrow, right here on This Day in Weather History, with me, your host, Chris May.